Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glasser. Come right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts, but also as well, of course, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Magic Man Sean Grice and Joe Sorrow. They stopped by Inside Sports Fantasy Football as we cover week one of the NFL. So go ahead and check it out, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, wherever you get your podcast. But also, speaking of Joe Soro, he probably won't be here today because he's so busy with his company, Simblades. Simblades with a Y.com. And you know when he gets a chance, he always checks out LakersBall.com as Ox1947. And speaking of Lakers websites, you know Laker Tom, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there, is still doing backflips as we speak. He's been doing it for days. He's already eager to get on the weekend with us here at the Lakers Fast Break. He's already got the Lakerholic spotlight set out for Saturday at 3 p.m. He's eager to talk to Christian Woods, so we're going to make sure he get, he gets plenty of time to talk <laughs> Christian Wood on Saturday. So make sure you check that out. Plus also his thoughts. You know he's got about a dozen articles on Christian Wood ready to go right there for you. And also Jamie Sweet, his good friend, probably telling him why you shouldn't be so glad you've got Christian Wood with another dozen articles of his own. And you can find that at Lakerholics.com. Our good friends, Empire Jeff TV, he was on for at least two, three hours last night. So go ahead and subscribe to his channel talking about, guess what, Christian Wood. Also, as well, our good friend John McKinley and on his channel, some great conversations as well. And speaking of YouTube, please go ahead and click on the little Joe Soro on the right-hand corner of the screen if you haven't already, because you get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. Well, I'll tell you what, it's great to have you here as we continue our NBA observations. We're looking at each and every one of the individual teams out there. And on today's show, we have a team that I think it's easy to say is going to be on the rise this season. They made some great off-season moves, very comparable to what the Lakers did in most people's eyes, and we're looking forward to hearing some great thoughts today. you got to go ahead and check out his work today. I'm going to put it in the actual chat for the Indianapolis Star. It is Dustin Doperak, and Dustin, 
great to have you here. So thankful, so blessed that you were able to go ahead and stop by to talk to the Indiana Pacers today. No, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Just I'll tell you what, though. I think you and I can go ahead and just really agree on something right now for Team USA as our good man right next to me, Magic Man. He's our World Cup reporter. He gives us the latest details as far as everything going on in the World Cup. And I can tell you right now, as both observers of the World Cup, Tyrese Halliburton and Austin Reeves have gelled together as players coming off the bench for Team USA like no other. I understand Tyrese Halliburton is a star, fast-growing, got his huge extension. Probably Sacramento will regret it, be regretting that trade in the not-too-distant future. All that stuff aside, I have a feeling, I don't know, after their time is done with their current contracts, I still have a feeling that this experience may lead to Tyrese Halliburton and Austin Reeves playing somewhere together down the road. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them uh, because you're right. The the chemistry has been special. I mean, they, they have really played together well. They seem to be having a blast out there together. And uh, one, they, they each seem to sort of accentuate uh, each other's positives. And I think even when Tyrese is getting a, a little bit more uh, defense or whatever, one, one of the other is being, being guarded, more, you know, with more a higher level of difficulty, they seem to be able to figure out, you know, how to play off of each other. They can both play make. Um, and it's it's just been fun to watch. I mean, I think there's that iconic picture of, of Reeves dunking on the fast break and Tyrese right behind him, uh, elevating at the exact same level. It's like just, you know, sort of them both sort of in elevation. It's really cool. Um, the one thing I'll say, Tyrese gets along with everybody. That's the one thing I would say. I could absolutely see them playing together. But the thing about Tyrese is, I mean, Tyrese is recruiting the whole NBA. I mean, <laughs> just everybody that he, anybody that he can get, uh, he will take. And and it's just, I mean, that's the, the biggest reason why he got the extension he got. As good of a player as he is, the gamble they're making by throwing all of the money at him, by saying, hey, we're, we're making this a max contract that becomes a super max if, if you get, uh, if you make an all NBA team and they believe that at some point in these five years that he will, um, a, a big piece of it is they believe in the person as much as they believe in the player. And it's not just that he's a nice guy. It is that that way of playing infuses with his style, like that, that, that he is all about being out there and spreading the ball around, getting as many people as involved as possible in ways that make them look more successful in ways that make them better. I mean, I think one thing that, you know, they, they paid Miles Turner a lot more money, obviously about a year ago at this time, uh, every Lakers podcast was talking about how soon they were getting Miles Turner. And a big reason why none of those trades happened is because when they really got Halliburton and Turner going together after Turner came back from an injury, Praises Brass was like, well, this works. Uh, you know, you're seeing a better Miles Turner because he's playing with Tyrese Halliburton because Halliburton's rewarding him for running the floor is yeah. setting him up uh, in pick and roll well, putting him in good positions to be successful. And Miles had his best offensive season of his career. Um, so as much as I, I would not rule that out at all, cause I think they're getting along fantastically. Um, Tyrese is everybody's best buddy. And I, and I, and I think that's true. I mean, I think you watch him with the rest of the team, team USA guys as well. He's just get good at getting along with people. That is his superpower is, is his connectivity. He's a really, really good player. Um, but he's better at connecting. And when he's the point guard and when he's the guy that's running the offense and pushing the tempo and everything, um, his desire to involve everybody is what makes that offense even more uh, even more effective and even more appealing um, for other guys to play with. And he was immediately, I mean, 
you know, he got on the phone with Bruce Brown as soon as, you know, the clock struck six or whatever it had to be, you know, for free agency. He was all, he was all about just getting as many people as he could. They got Obi Toppin. He had Obi Toppin out at a pro-am. Uh, basically, he came back to Indy for a week just to work out with Obi. And then there was this pro-am that Kyle Guy was running up about in this, you know, the county north of Indianapolis. And they asked Tyrese to play. And he was like, can I bring Obi too? Uh, and so it was a big show in north of Indy of those two getting out together. And they had never played a game together, but they did a pretty good job of showing off. It looked like they were, you know, acted like they were old friends. That's Tyrese, and that's what's I think made the second unit so effective. And I think that's what gives Team USA a real shot of winning this gold is that their depth is better than everybody else. I mean, I, there are uh, better players still involved. I think you know Shea Gilgis Alexander is having a better tournament than anybody on Team USA. Even Anthony Edwards, I think you know Luca was obviously terrific. Um, Canada looks really good, but that second unit I think is what gives USA a chance to overwhelm people. Uh, over time, and I think Tyrese pushing the envelope is really what makes them as effective as they are. Also here today, good man indeed. He is the madman from Toronto. Got to go ahead and make sure he gets out of Toronto traffic to go ahead and talk to Dustin Dobrak today. It is the magic man, Sean Rice. Sean, great to have you here, my friend. Uh, as someone who has been eyeing the World Cup and seeing before your very eyes the brilliance of Tyrese Halliburton, as someone who could very well be within the next, by the time, let's say his contract, his extension is over, could be well thought of in that conversation as one of the best players in the NBA. Already he's growing and getting to that point already. I think by the time he does finish it, he will be thought of in that measure. Yeah, 100% drilled. And I, I have uh, I have no doubt that Rick Carlisle has pretty much watched every minute of uh, Hallie playing, uh, especially with Austin Reeves. Um, you know, Dustin, the, the Pacers this year have probably the most exciting team in the league as far as league pass is concerned. That's true. Um, they, they pretty much have a plethora of young talent. They have a plethora of versatile young talent. Um, just it seems like you need to put at least a blowtorch or two as a shooter on the floor with Hallie at all times. And you also need a Swiss army knife for two. So mm. I was wondering what your opinion is about their starting five, because as you know, with the Lakers now signing Christian Wood, it's been a debate about what our starting five will look like. What mm. do you think the Pacers starting five looks like? Do you think they insert Bruce Brown into the starting lineup because mm. of that big contract? I do. And it's not just because of the big contract, uh, right? For, for a, I mean, that, that's part of it when you throw that much money at somebody, um, you know, you feel the need to justify it, certainly. I mean, part of it, part of the reason they threw that money at him is they had to hit the floor. Uh, you know, they, they had to spend, give that money to somebody. And that's part of the reason why they were able to make that signing is they had to go out and get somebody. Um, and, you know, just I think a lot of the other targets that made sense for them certainly seemed like they were going to go after a power forward. And a lot of the, all of those guys re-signed for mega money. Um, and obviously they were able to get the Obi, Obi Toppin in the trade, but you know, once all those guys are off the board, I mean, you don't know how soon they kind of came to that conclusion that that's how it was going to go. They had to go pay somebody. Uh, and so Bruce Brown wasn't going to get, you know, they, Denver couldn't pay him, uh, nearly as much as they could. And nobody else was willing to go up, you know, 22 million for Bruce Brown. Um, but I don't think that's the only reason. I mean, I think the, the, the spot that they're in is interesting because I think right. Like. The only like the only guy who was in their best defensive five and their best offensive five is Miles Turner. 
the other four, you know, you're at, at every other position, your best defensive guy and your best offensive guy are different. Um, so I think Brown ends up starting for this reason. I, I think they, they need to have at least one really good defensive player. And I think what they'll ultimately do is they'll, they'll have, um, basically situations where they have, I, I think Matherin and Heald are the best two offensive players. And I think they'll pair each of those guys with a better defensive wing, whether that's, uh, Aaron Neesmith or it's, it's Andrew Nemhard or it's Bruce Brown. Um, you know, they have a bunch of guys that are really good defensive players and that, um, I, you know, if you put Matherin and Heald together, you have a chance to be really good offensively, but it really costs you a lot on defense. Matherin, I think can be a really good defensive player. I think he's physically built for it. Um, but you, you see that he's a long, he's not there yet. Um, you know, he, he has the deep, he has the physical capacity, doesn't always know where he's going. Sometimes gets trapped up in screens. Sometimes just gets shook up, you know, just, just missing kind of a move someplace. And Heald just has never been a great defender. I mean, he's not terrible and, and he'll step up and try um but he's not a really good defensive player and and so and Halliburton Halliburton is a he's a really good off the ball player he's very good as far as um reading you know reading plays getting in position to get steals um but when you're talking about just manning somebody up that is not his forte I, I think he's gotten better I've seen some improvement just in the in the course of the World Cup I mean I, I think he's he was better in the last game than he was three games ago. Uh, you know, I saw some improvement there, just his ability to kind of keep somebody in front of him to navigate screens. I think that's an issue. He has real trouble with navigating screens. But the point is, if you've got Halliburton, Heald, and Matherin, those are your best guys one through three on offense. They are not at all your best guys one through three on defense. So I think Brown gives you a real lockdown defender that you can put at multiple spots. They can defend different types of guys. He can defend a one, a two, or a three. And he is a good offensive player. I mean, he's a good enough shooter. Um, I don't have his shooting numbers in front of me, but three point was adequate. It wasn't spectacular, but it was okay. Um, you know, showed a, a different ways, you know, ability to get to the mid range, ability to get to the rim, finish through contact. Uh, it's just a strong guy, you know, a powerful guy at six, four. Um, and you know, is, again, it is six, four is plays a little bit bigger than you realize, uh, has point guard, you know, caliber, uh, handles, you know, you could, you could run him at the one if you had to. Um, and so I think he'll ultimately, He'll ultimately play because I like a lot of what he does. The only th the other thing Rick Carlisle kept pointing out over and over again um, about both of these guys, about Toppin and Brown, was that he saw a list, I guess, that in, when it came to points per possession in transition, Obi Toppin was number one in the league, Tyrese Halliburton was number two, and Bruce Brown was number three. Um, and so I haven't seen, I've never double checked that for as many times as he told me this, I've just presumed Rick's right. Um, uh, and Rick's a really smart guy. He doesn't generally, generally flat out lie to us. Um, so I presume he believes in that cause that's all he wants to tell anybody. That's what he's excited about. Um, but I think even not having that number in front of me to, uh, to verify it, Bruce is good in transition. I mean, I think you, you saw when they got running, uh, when the Nuggets really got running and, you know, when, when Joe was pushing the pace or whatever, Brown was really good at getting ahead and finishing transition. So that's what they're really, really building around. Obviously, if they're going to really win at a high level, they got to get a little bit better in the half court than they are. Um, but, you know, running up and down and getting a lot of easy layups is going to put them in a position to win more games than they did a year ago. Um, so I think that's another piece to it is while, while Brown is a really good defensive player, I think out of all of the guys that I would say are on that defensive five, um, he might be the best offensive player. Um, you know, he might be the, the guy who gives him the best, you know, is the best sort of real two-way guy, uh, better maybe than an Andrew, Aaron Neesmith or an Andrew Nemhard. I think, you know, Nemhard's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like each of their games and, and they can give you something offensively, but I think Brown might be the most effective offensive player of that group. So I think he's absolutely going to play and, and, and certainly make an impact.
This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. If you have a better movie in the can, why is that not the movie that you released in the first place? I would say it's more culturally relevant than The Simpsons and Rick and Morty. Like, it has become a staple of American entertainment. I think Dragon Age 4 is carrying the future of Bioware on its shoulders. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is Dustin Dobrak. Please go ahead and check him out today as far as his great work at the Indianapolis Star. I actually put it in the chat as far as the link right there. Go ahead and make sure you check out all of his great articles there at the Indianapolis Star. Dustin, uh, again, when it comes to what you were saying earlier about this team and what it needs to do in order to win games, it is very similar to what the Lakers needed to do last season as far as keeping the pace up. In the case of Indianapolis, they need to be number one or number two in pace for the entire season. The Lakers were in the top five in pace. It was to their greatest advantage to go ahead and be out on the floor and run because they're not a great half-court team. They're certainly not anywhere near a decent uh, three-point shooting team last year. I mean, obviously, the statistics bore that out. But when you got LeBron taking the ball up 100 miles an hour, acting like he's 25 again, going up and down the floor, that's the kind of thing. That's going to the line, getting fouls, going to the line. That's what we needed to go ahead and do to win games. And then finally, we got that in the latter half of the season that led us through to the playoffs. When it comes to Indianapolis, I see a similar type of trend. Who would you have centered around Tyrese Halliburton? Because you know Tyrese is going to be the one that's driving this Ferrari to push that car. Well, I should say they push the Indy car, uh, pardon the pun, through this race. Yeah, absolutely. But who needs to go ahead and and pair alongside him? Who would you have him start uh, beside who would be the best fit for Tyrese on the on the Indianapolis as far as pairing him up as far as from the backcourt to get keep that pace going? I think the interesting question is for him it might be Buddy Heald, but for the Pacers long term, um, you know, future it might be Benedict Matherin um, okay. because Buddy's down to his last year on his contract, and I mean he's making twenty million, and I don't know, or I think he's probably goes down to nineteen this year, and and I don't know that they're going to re up him, uh, and so the thing is. Though Buddy, Buddy's underrated. Uh, I mean, like, really got to watch him this year, and I, and I don't know that he's as appreciated as he ought to be. Now, part of that is because things ended poorly in Sacramento. Um, but, you know, basically, Buddy and Tyrese became really close through the trade. I mean, they were already, you know, decent friends as was, but uh, as they kind of came to, came together, they've really become super tight. Like, they went on vacation, you know, vacation together this year. Basically, you know, Buddy's from the Bahamas, so Tyrese went down there with him. 
they they're hilarious. I mean, seeing them together is hysterical. They crack on each other. They had a, a, a contest all year for who was going to get the most dunks. You know, there's a picture of, of Buddy flipping Tyrese off because he got a dunk and Tyrese was, you know, jawing back about him. I mean, they have a ball together, but their their styles really play together well. I mean, Buddy Buddy attracts a lot of gravity. I mean, you have to cover him on the perimeter. And and like from a um, when you, you look at high volume guys and percentage, you know, I mean, I, I think he was second in the league in makes last year to Clay Thompson, set a franchise record, breaking Reggie Miller's franchise record. My apologies. My dog has thoughts on this also. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, he, he demands a lot of gravity. He, you have to go cover him. You have to make sure there's somebody out there, uh, you know, getting in his face. And so that opens the floor for Tyrese and for everybody else. I mean, it, it commands some gravity when you're running pick and roll with Turner. There's got to be a guy who does not cheat off of Buddy Heald or he's getting a three ball. Um, and so, you know, it, again, the numbers that he got at this age at 30, he was at shot like 42.5%. My apologies. I'm going to try to move out of her way. But, you know, for, for I, I don't know if your dog's agreeing or disagreeing with your assessment on that. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> a little of both. and But also okay. she's policing the entire neighborhood as part of the deal. She has to make sure everybody is doing what they're supposed to do. Oh, now sure she's going to go outside. So now we're good. <laughs> anyway, apologize. Apologies for that. Um, no worries. All good. So for, for, for Tyrese, it's probably better to have Buddy Hill because of the gravity that he attracts. Matherin, though, they obviously believe in him a lot. He's coming off. He's the first guy to make all-rookie since Rick Smith's in, I think, 1989. First team all-rookie. They've had second team all-rookie guys. Um, but they, they certainly view him as having the capacity uh, to be just one of the best players in the league, to, to be an all-NBA all caliber guy, an all-star caliber guy. Um, I mean, because he's, I mean, he's just a really great scorer. Had just phenomenal year at Arizona before. He, he's... Uh, like his rookie season was third all time among Pacers rookies, you know, Clark Kellogg and Ch Chuck person are the only guys who ever scored more points, you know, for the Pacers as rookies. And just, and again, his athleticism, his ability to finish through contact, his ability to find ways to get buckets uh, is really impressive. He can become a better shooter. I think that's doable. He can become a better defender. defender I think that's doable. And I think they're ready to make him start. Um, and, you know, they started pushing him towards the end of the season uh, into the starting rotation. Really, they, they basically kind of shut Halliburton and Turner down, uh, more or less shut. He didn't shut Heald down. He Heald had a couple games that he missed because he was sick. Uh, but they took out Heald out of the starting lineup for a little bit uh, just to force Mather in the position that he was starting. He got what they, they he, you know, Carlisle used the phrase, the, the term responsibility, that he has to he has to feel that responsibility, what it's like to start um, yeah. because he got so many of his buckets coming off as the sixth man. Um, and so I believe that's what they want to do with him next. I think they, they see that as the next stage in his development and they still look at this as a long-term situation. I mean, I, I think if, if you ask what's a fair, um, you know, goal for these guys this year, it's playoffs. And certainly we can talk about that more. Um, but I don't think they think at all that this is the year for their title shot. So yeah. it's, it's about development for them still, even if they, as they try to win more games. So Matherin is the development option. I mean, again, if, if you just wanted to get the best possible team out there, you know, Heald might be the guy, um, but I think that their belief is that Matherin is going to be an all-star, is going to be, you know, uh, you know, kind of one of those, I guess, aircraft carrier guys is the is the term we're using now. You know, I, I think they believe Matherin can be that kind of player, and to, to become that kind of player, he has to get the kind of responsibility of starting, of playing next to Halliburton and creating uh, that chemistry. They had good chemistry. Um, I would say Matherin or uh, Halliburton and Heald had better chemistry. Um, but, you know, Halliburton also believes in Matherin and believes he's going to be a superstar, too. Uh, so Halliburton's on board with that. It's not like he's going to fight it uh, if Heald's out of the starting lineup and Matherin's in. Um, 
So that would be my answer to that is, is that that for an, any given day, Heald might be the guy that made sense, but for their long-term belief in what they can be down the road, Matherin is probably going to be the guy that will start. Magic Man, uh, I know you put a great question in the tr in the chat. Uh, did you want to go ahead and elaborate it and ask uh, Dustin on that? I got you. Absolutely. Thanks, Gerald. Uh, Dustin, so obviously when the Pacers acquired Abi Toppin, they obviously there was some discussion there that Obi really wants to start. And unfortunately, Tom Thibodeau was very resistant to giving Obi starting minutes. But can I just you... say something though, Magic Man? I have never heard of anyone during the course of the draft process when he, you know, the Urius came out. I've never heard anyone talk more about someone's hips than Obi Toppin. <laughs> just, I just never in my years of covering the NBA draft and the NBA, just they, all that just is centered around his hips. It's hips. He can't play defense because his hips, it's hips, it's hips. I'm not just like, okay. Yeah. Infatuation. <laughs> we are just so infatuated, especially these the, the draft experts are just so infatuated with these body parts. And it's just something like, okay. Mm. All right. Yeah, especially Jay Air that Gerald's referring to Jay Bell as short arms. Yeah, Doesn't short arms. Great short arms. Yeah, Svi Mihailik, we talked to Boston Celtics uh, uh you know reporter yesterday and it was just like, yes, we talked to you about Svi Mihailik and the, you know just dwelling on these certain body parts these guys mm. do and it's just just so funny. It had even I remember even myself at that time I started talking about Obi Toppin's hips and I'm just like <laughs> what am I saying? My God. But, Go ahead, Sean. I didn't yeah, we, we digress. But getting back, uh, Dustin, so the, the advanced analytics show that Opie's a double-double guy, more than, than 25 minutes a game. So, But mm. the Pacers did have a really great draft. Um, mm. Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard. Like, I love Ben Shepard. I was hoping mm. the Lakers would have taken Ben Shepard, but the Pacers took Ben Shepard. So who do you mm. think is the long-term starting power forward with a, with uh, with keeping in mind, Justin Wright, with Halley and mm. you've got uh, Benedict as well. So who do you think is a better long-term fit at the four for them? Is it Walker or is it Toppin? Um, my guess, that's a great question. I mean, I think Toppin's going to start right away. Uh, right. You know, for this group. And I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity to do a lot. Uh, and, and I think he's going to have a ball. Um, you know, I think he's going to have a blast this year just because, as you said, I mean, he was Thibodeau was was not big on starting him. I, the stories we read, you know, I mean, I, I obviously wasn't following it super closely until he got traded and then sort of looked back at the previous coverage. And it just seemed like the biggest thing was obviously Julius Randle was the guy, um, you know, and, cert, and right as they drafted him you know, Randall takes that leap uh, to really being a superstar and, you know, or wherever you want to put Randall where he is to be an all-star caliber player. And so that, you know, Obi really got buried. And, and um, Tom doesn't like the idea of playing two offensive minded force together and throw one of them in at the five just to do it. You know, he, he's, he's like, I want to have rim protection with a guy like a Mitchell Robinson or somebody like that, even though that person might not score very much or do anything but dunk. Um, he would, you know, Thibodeau believes in defense and he believes he's got a better shot if he's got a real, you know, shot blocking five in there, um, as opposed to having a couple guys that are scoring a bunch of points, are gonna, but they're going to give up a lot on the other end. Um, so Obi is going to he's going to start and he's going to score a lot because, I mean, he, he just loves getting out and running and dunking and that's going to be perfect for them. Uh, you know, Halliburton is going to love him. He's just going to throw lobs to him and all that. I mean, I'm presuming then what happens. I think, I think they've got, I, I want to say he's got two more years. Uh, I, I want to say he's got two years in the deal. So 
what I presume then is going to happen is that he's going to put up big numbers um, and he's going to be ready to walk in a couple of years. And if they see enough from Walker, they'll probably let him. Um, and, but because, I mean, I think they believe in Walker. Um, I was really impressed by some things that he did in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, uh, certainly I think there's a lot of things that you like about what he's been able to do just in general, but um, seeing it up close, how he's able just, again, to truly defend inside and out. You know, it's little things that you notice when you see him up close. I mean, like one of the first possessions in summer league, he picked somebody's pocket. It was, um, geez, all of a sudden the guy's name is escaping me. The, the other dude that played with Lembanyama that they picked, that the Wizards traded up to get. Oh, Bilal? Yeah, Bilal. Bilal Kalabali. Bilal Kulabali um, of, uh, Apologies for that. Yeah, so Bilal had the ball in his hand and Walker straight picked his pocket. Just kind of like tapped the ball around the other side and got going on the other end really quick hands just real like true ability for a guy that size with width and muscle and arm and wingspan the whole bit to really defend on the perimeter and, and go you know go eat you up out there and obviously things change when you're talking about pros that have been there for five you know ten years that those are the guys you're defending on on the perimeter versus another 19 year old kid i mean it's, it's a little different when you see guys that are more seasoned than used to the nba and, and used to the caliber of defender um but that's that, that's still something real. Uh, you know, there's some real capacity there that he can go out and, and take the ball away from someone in the perimeter, you know, rebounded it really well. And it just, it just, it was a phenomenal shot block. He just did a great job of like, he was covering somebody on the perimeter, just sort of dove down into the paint and just swallowed a guy's attempt up. Um, and so there's, there's a, again, a, a lot of potential there. They got to get better defensively. So I think he's going to have real minutes as a second unit powered forward this year and have an opportunity to show things off offensively. I was always, I, I was also impressed, uh, just his ability to handle the basketball in the open floor. I mean, he ran the point sometimes, uh, you know, for summer league again, it's summer league, but still you, you saw a big guy, uh, having the capacity to bring the ball down on the floor and really thread the needle on some passes, not just kind of interior moving it around, you know, from four to five or, or kicking it back out, but having the ball on the perimeter, on the wing and, you know, or in transition, uh, and having a way to find guys. I mean, I think, you know, he is going to have to get to be more consistent when it comes to shooting the ball, when it comes to finishing through contact. I mean, you, you saw him miss some either layups or, or, or on drives that you, you need to see better at from a guy that size. Um, but, you know, I, I just thought the real skill set um, stood out to me. There's a lot of potential there for things to work on. Well, I'll tell you what, though, a lot uh, is riding uh, as far as the growth and maturation of Halliburton and also uh, several young players, very talented players. Before we ask you about the overall prospectus for the team, what is a good season for the team? Uh, what do you think will be a, a really good run for the season for this team? Who do you think is under the radar in your estimation? Some of the names or a name in particular that you think can make a contribution that nobody is talking about when it comes to the Pacers. Um, I think it's, it's weird because I think the, you know, the Pacers are not a very talked about franchise in general. And so like sure. who's talked about locally versus who talk, I feel like nobody gets talked about nationally. Um, but I think even locally, I'm not sure. Cause I think it, like, everybody's talked a little bit about somebody. Um, and I think there's just there's a lot of interesting pieces. Obviously, I think uh, Andrew Nemhart is a really nice player and they really believe in him. 
Um, and so I don't know. It's what's going to be an interesting situation is, is how they use him this year. Uh, last year, they used him as a starting two guard, even though they didn't ask him to shoot very much at all. He oh, we out. remember his shot. All right. Yes, as far as the Lakers land. Yes, <laughs> that we do. I was going to say he made he made an impression with the Lakers. Uh, did a good job of defending LeBron that game. He defended LeBron. And it, it, that was not a guy I would have expected to put in that for them to put in that situation. Uh, but he did a pretty good, good, good job doing that. And uh, again, you know, massive shot to knock out the, you know, uh, beat the Lakers uh, at the Staples Center last year. Um, but, you know, he was in a position, uh, you know, he played a lot of point guard when Halliburton was out, got a lot of minutes at the end of the year when Halliburton was injured. And then when they just sort of giving him some time to, to run the show. So I don't know what they're going to do with him and McConnell. Uh, I don't know if they play them together because I think TJ McConnell is still still showed that he can be a very effective player. He he had his best offensive season and he's still a pest defensively, a guy that's going to yeah. attack you for 94 feet. And if you're lazy with the inbound pass, take it from you. Uh, he's you one know, of the leaders in steals on a 48 minute basis from what I've ever seen. Yeah, he's McConnell's up there. And, yeah, he's had I mean, he had 10 steals in a game once. Uh, you know, yeah. he'll, he'll just go out I and mean, he gambles less uh, than he used to. But he's still I mean, he gets like at least a bucket per game. And that's probably pushing it at least a bucket every other game uh, just because somebody throws a lazy inbound pass and he takes it, you know, in the backcourt, just the ability to just, just, just to rob somebody in the backcourt who's either not paying attention or not thinking enough about him and just misses him. But I mean, he, I was amazed really watching him up close um, his ability just to get to his shot. I mean, like he, he does stuff that's very like YMCA, very like, you know, like 12 year old kid who's five foot two and finds a way to get his shots. Like that's TJ McConnell. Like he he'll like run a lap around the rim and then turn around and hit this little five footer. And it's just like, that doesn't seem like a thing that you should be able to get away with in the NBA, but he does and does it repeatedly. And I think he shot like 56% from two last year. And he finally, you know, started not knocking down some threes as well. I mean, I think he was over 40% from three and that's never been a strength of his. That's one place where he's had a problem and he's really worked on his shot. Um, you know, just really worked on his form and gotten a lot better uh, with Jenny Busick, the assistant coach. She's done a lot of work with him. And um, so he was really effective. But Nemhard, I thought, did a really good job of defending, you know, multiple positions, guys up to, you know, one, two, three. Um, you know, he, he, does, he doesn't look as big as he is. He's six four, six five, And you don't realize that looking at him because he's like a little bit skinny, but he's powerful. Um, so he doesn't get back down. Um, and so he's a guy they really like. And, uh, you know, apparently – you know, when there was some talk about Pascal Siakam uh, and them having some interest there, you know, the rumor said that it was Nemhard that the Pacers weren't willing to move. Uh, and that was somebody that the Raptors wanted. So, I mean, they really, really like him. They got him with the first pick in the second round last year. They really like him a lot. Uh, but it's just going to be interesting to see exactly what it is they do with him this year because I would, I, I think it would be hard to start him when you add Bruce Brown. You probably want to start Matherin. And so, and then, but if you make him the second unit point guard, it's hard to get minutes for TJ McConnell. And I don't know if you can play those two guys together or how much you can when you've also got healed that you've got to get minutes there and Neesmith that you've got to get minutes Walker that you want to get minutes. You just sort of go down the line uh, at those positions. There's a lot of guys they ever want to play and they certainly don't want to completely bury Ben Shepard though. I think Ben is going to have a hard time getting on the floor this year. Uh, you know, they, they love him. I mean, to, to imagine that's point. I mean, they absolutely uh, were huge fans uh, of his workout. Just, I mean, he, cause you know, Walker did a, a an individual one. Shepard was one of those group workouts where it's six guys and you sort of let somebody stand out and they said Shepard was just all over the floor chasing every possible loose ball and they love his hustle. Uh, I think he's going to have a hard time getting minutes, but they like him. And so if they have an opportunity to play him, they will. Um, so that Nemhard's an interesting one. Um, I think I, Isaiah Jackson is one I'm going to throw out because uh, I really liked what he did. Um, 
in uh, in Las Vegas. And he he added some muscle. He looks more powerful. Still has the same amount of athleticism. Uh, it's just going to be a rim runner guy. You know, lob finisher, shot blocker. You know, not. I think he's reached the point even early in his career that he's not trying to do anything that he's not. And he's going to be happy to get those backup minutes. It's still a fight between him and Jalen Smith and they still have Daniel Tice on the roster and they're having a hard time figuring out what to do at center. But I think Jackson did a lot of things in Vegas that I think put him a little bit ahead of the other two guys. And that make me think, you know, he might have a chance of, you know, putting them away or at least forcing them to make a decision. Smith, did a lot of good things, rebounded at a really high rate per 48 last year, and and can is a better shooter, is probably a better all-around finisher, maybe a better rebounder. But I think Jackson can step up in all those areas, and he's the better lob finisher and shot blocker, and I think he's got a chance uh, to do something. But there's there's a bunch of guys that are a little under the radar that, uh, you know, Neesmith is another one that, that I should add if I haven't talked about him yet, a uh, guy that they acquired sort of as a throw-in in the Malcolm Brogdon trade from Boston. Didn't play a lot because Brown and Tatum, you know, there's just not going to be a lot of wing minutes there. Um, but he played a lot of power forward last year because they, did, they didn't like really what they had at that position. He stepped up, up as even an undermanned guy and <clears throat> kept taking on huge assignments. Every night it was Nemhard and Neesmith getting the top two uh, defensive assignments. And he did, did really well on a lot of guys. Really good athlete. A little bit of a streaky shooter, but he can hit it. Um, and I think he's done a lot of work this year. I imagine he'll get to play some more three. It, it might be, it, you know, there's not uh, an area where he's going to be able to walk into a starting job like he did last year. Uh, but I think he's still a guy that they're going to want to keep around because they really like a lot of the things, a lot of the little things he does. Loose balls, rebounding, box outs, you know, just really being physical as a defender. They like a lot of things he does. Um, so I think he's a guy that's going to matter for them also. Awesome, indeed. Uh, once again, you got to go ahead and check out what Dustin Dobrak's doing at the Indianapolis Star Please go ahead. I'm going to post the actual link for all of his great work. If you have not done so already, please go ahead and do so. And also, if you get a chance, make sure you check out his social media as well. But, Sean, uh, I know you have some more questions for him. You've had some great points so far earlier in the conversation. What's going on, my friend? What kind of questions did you have for Dustin? Yeah, Dustin. So, um, although Rick has, you know, decades of experience, now he's got a, he's got a fairly uh, – Green behind the gills for an office. Chad Buchanan's only, I think, three months into the job. But I uh, had a chance uh, over the summer to read what he what he was trying to envision that a team that him and Rick are constructing looks like. And he talked a lot about defense. He emphasized that. Um, so this year, do you think that uh, the Pacers can be maybe a middle of the pack to uh, maybe – maybe a, a top third defensive team, even given the youth? No, uh, because they don't think that either. Uh, I, I think right. you know, Kevin, Kevin Pritchard's the other other key piece of the front office. He's got a little bit more experience than Chad does. They're kind of like one, two uh, together, uh, basically. You know, Buchanan is doing more, you know, kind of media, and they're, they're sort of pushing him more in that GM role. But they're, they're really one, two together, and they've talked a lot about uh, they don't necessarily they, – they just – they, they like to get to be top half. And you've got to remember that, you know, they were very close to the bottom in points allowed. Uh, now, part of that is their own pace uh, because they're pushing it and whatnot. But, I mean, I think they were like 26th in efficiency, and I think they were 29th in points per game allowed. Um, and, and obviously everybody's playing pretty fast in the NBA these days. They're playing a little faster. So the efficiency is, is the more correct number. But still, they're giving up a lot of points. Um, and so it's hard to go from the bottom to the top third 
uh, in this league where, you know, you, you have teams that are so much more established. It's not, you know, uh, this was my first year covering the NBA. I'm used to cover college ball. You can flip it if you get the right kind of defenders in college ball and the other, the other guys lose enough uh, to the NBA or to graduation or the transfer portal or whatever. Um, you know, ob- obviously there's not going to be nearly that same level of uh, turnover in the rest of the league. Um, so, so them, you know, climbing up that ladder and jumping all of those teams that are more established defenses and are used to where they want to play and, 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 you know, who t- gets the top assignments and how everybody else fits in is going to be tough. Um, but I do think, you know, they obviously addressed defense, you know, that was the thing they did on purpose. Certainly Brown being a really key piece there, you know, getting a guy that really, really believe in that, that can defend, uh, the other team's best player and have a guy that's a little bit more experienced than that. And somebody that's done it all the way through uh, a championship run makes you a lot better, you know, just, just getting a guy like that. Um, you know, they certainly think Walker can be an impactful defender, but as a rookie, I mean, even when we were, uh, you know, after the lottery, you know, I, I think Walker was a guy that, that you sort of circled as this is a guy that makes sense. Um, even before the lottery, even before you knew when they were picking, it was like, okay, well, if they don't get, uh, if, if they don't get in the top three, you know, who fits if they end up being seven or eight, you, you would circle Walker. And I sort of asked, you know, hey, how much of an importance is defense going to play in, in what you're saying? He says, well, you know, you do got to remember that a rookie is going to be only, only going to be able to have so much impact. He's got to figure out how they call fouls in the league. He's going to have to understand what he can get away with and what he can't. What he can get away with against certain guys, what he can't get away, what get away with against other guys. There's a whole lot of um, you know, just learning that comes. I mean, you can be, you can help, you can be a positive, um, but being able to really, you know, just be the reason that, that a team makes a leap is difficult. And again, I don't think he's going to start. I mean, I, I, and I think, but I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be, be an everyday second unit guy who gets 15 to 20 a game behind Obi. I think Obi gets the most and, and maybe Walker checks in maybe a little bit before some of the other guys in the second unit, but um, you know, it, it's going to be gradual. Um, but the other issue is just, uh, it, it's it's a difficult, I think, scenario. The fact that they've got to figure out how to piece together um, a, a team that that's got balance from offense and defense. Because again, I think if you if you said who's your best five defensively, to go back to that conversation, I'd say it's Nemhard at the one, Brown at the two, Neesmith at the three, Walker at the four, Turner at the five. Best offensive though would be Halliburton at the one, uh, uh, Heald at the two, Matherin at the three, Toppin at the four, and again Turner with the five. The only guy that's in both of those fives is Miles Turner. And, and he is, again, you know, has, has been a top of the league shot blocker, is, is up there as far as that's concerned, and is a solid defender otherwise. So, I mean, it's key to have that guy uh, as, you know, as your cornerstone in the back there. But it's tough to decide, okay, well, when do you pull Halliburton? Because that's your best player. Um, you know, again, and also Halliburton th- does really good things for you defensively. He's, he's a really good sort of ball hawk center fielder. You put him on a shooter that you can let him cheat off a little bit, let him kind of pinch in on a drive or, or, or double down and try to take the ball off of somebody or just read a passing lane and kind of blow up a play because he knows where to go because he's got an, an absurd, you know, basketball IQ. He, he's valuable defensively, but you're not putting him on LeBron James. You're not putting him on, you know, Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, you're not putting him on anybody like that. You're not putting him on even Jalen Brunson um, or somebody of his caliber as a player. You know, like if, if those two play each other for as much as, you know, they're kind of at the same level right now and, and who starts and who doesn't on that World Cup team, 
man, I wouldn't put Halliburton on, on Brunson. No way. I, I, I wouldn't trust him on that at that point to not get beat up or blown by. Um, so you got to kind of figure out what to do with that. So there's a lot of decisions that they've got to make from a personnel standpoint to figure out, okay, how devoted are we to being a good defensive team? Um, there's certainly scenarios where, where you're talking about, you know, in game, all right, you know, you're up 10 or you're up 12 or you're up 13 and you got to hold it for a while. Maybe you put in that best, that best defensive five together. Maybe you shake up, you know, you, you don't just do a first and second unit deal where you have that, you know, that defensive lineup and make sure it gets minutes together while you also have the offensive lineup and, and play around with your rotations a little bit more. So you get uh, a sense of what it looks like when they just put a lockdown lineup out there um, and just devote to having five guys out there that can defend. Um, so th there's a lot there uh, in, in terms of figuring out, how to get the most out of them defensively. They do want everybody to be better individually. That's one thing they talked about at the end of the year is making everybody better at guarding their yard. And, and Halliburton talked about getting better, but um, you know, physically the same issues he's always had of just not being a big, powerful guy. Uh, that's a big weight room dude uh, is, is an issue that he still has. Again, he, his intellect is off the charts. His skill level is off the charts. He is not a massively muscular guy uh, and he is not, the weight room has never been his favorite place to be. Uh, and so, you know, he's, I think he's gotten better, um, but I don't know how much better. And so I, I, you know, you're still making decisions with him in terms of how to place him somewhere where he can't get exposed, but he can be a positive. Um, and, you know, he, he's not your best defensive point guard. You know, you have two better defensive point guards than he is. Once again, it is Dustin Dobrak. Please go ahead and check out the great work that he's doing today at the Indianapolis Star. Also, go ahead and check out his social media. I'll put that also in the chat as well. We're following him. You should follow him too right there for you on X, Twitter, or the Indianapolis Star. Go ahead and check out his great work there. So we ask you, with all this young talent mixed in with some veterans uh, like Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, who our Laker Tom has been trying to trade to the Lakers and get on the Lakers for about a year now uh, going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's about a year this time last year. Actually it was actually yeah. during the summer last year. So I ask you with all that talent you talked about earlier, you see them not progressing obviously into title contention, but you see steps in the right direction. How far do you think they'll go? Where do you think they'll end up in the Eastern conference? I think they'll be in the playing round somewhere between seven and 10. Um, I, I think they're good enough to have some kind of postseason. I think they want that. Um, I, I think as much, I, I think this group believes that it is time for them to go play some kind of postseason basketball. Um, again, even if it's just a play in round, I think they can, they can be on the, the higher half of that. I, I think they can be a, a, a seven or an eight seam somewhere in, in, in that range. I don't, you know, other than Miami, who obviously took the leap, uh, you know, from the play in round all the way to the finals this year. Um, I don't think anybody that was in the play in round um, was so strikingly better than what they were at their best. And I think they've gotten better. I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously, um, you know, they were right with Washington last year at 11th. Washington's obviously sort of fallen off where I think the the, the Pacers have gone up there. Um, you know, the, the Hawks have, have made at least some moves. I mean, I don't think they, they had as big of a um, fire sale as some might have expected. So I think they're still going to be competitive, but I think the Pacers can jump a team like that. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, Chicago, I think they can be better than they, they have seen them beat Chicago. Um, I'm trying to think who was the nine. Um who was the ninth seed in the East? Who am I, who am I, uh, I believe the ninth seed was was Chicago. 
Okay. Yes. I, and they just, yeah, yeah, they were leading and they actually That's ended right. up, they were up on losing Miami. to Miami. Yeah. Who did Atlanta beat that was the 10? Who did uh, Atlanta beat? You know what? If I'm not mistaken, I believe Atlanta beat Miami. Atlanta, oh, that's Atlanta, right. Atlanta became Miami in the seven eight. That's yeah. not a seven ten. What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. That's 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 being a dummy right there. Um, no, no, no. It, oh, it, Toronto. It, it, yeah, Toronto. That's Toronto. the other team. It was Toronto the obviously took a step back. Chicago. Well. Yeah. You know, let let some of their guys. That's what I'm thinking. I was thinking of a seven ten eight nine split, and that's not how the play in works. Um, so that's my bad. My apologies. But yeah, no. Oh, it happens to us all the time, Dustin. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I hear you. But no, Toronto, Chicago, you know, Atlanta. I think those are all teams they can pass. Um, you know, I, I think that that's certainly possible for them to pass each of those teams. Not that those teams won't be competitive. Brooklyn being another one, obviously, that was kind of the zombie nets uh, at the end of the last season after they've gotten rid of of, of Durant uh, and Irving and all of those guys and sort of sort of uh, you know start over. They still have some players. I don't think they're going to be a joke, um, but I think they can jump the nets as well. I mean, I think I think they can be up there, you know, with that group. If they don't jump everybody, they can be close. I think Miami will probably have a better year. Um, will will be have a l- little bit less just. You know, that's a good team. I have no idea why they were eighth. They had no business being that bad. Um, you know, that's just still shocked at that. But, you know, do I think they're up? You know, they're certainly not ready to compete with the Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers, or even the Cavs. Or, you know, I, I don't think the Knicks. Uh, I, I just I just don't think they're, they're quite there yet. Um, they can compete with them on a given night, you know, but I just don't think your your ultimate wins and losses is going to be up there with with the top five. Um, but six, seven, eight, nine, you know, I think any of that is possible. I mean, I, I think six is probably a ceiling as far as the seed is concerned. I mean, that would be a big deal for them to avoid the play in. Uh, I think that would be huge. Um, but it's, you know, uh, it's not a, it, it's not a question, but I, I would think where the the. the move they make is to be a, a play in round team. Um, and I think they can, they can get out of it. You know, I, I think they can get out of it and get to a series, uh, you know, when, when, win enough games to play around, at least win once uh, and, and get to a series. And, you know, again, I think they'll probably have a hard time against, you know, whether it's a Milwaukee or a Boston or a Philly or wh- whoever ends up being, you know, one seed this year, however that all shakes out. Uh, I think they'll have a hard time there, but I, I think they can get to it. And I think that would be again an important step, you know, just getting to any kind of postseason basketball for this group. It's been a couple of years. Most of these guys have not had a playoff series. And I think getting to just being able to play a playoff series would be a big deal for the Pacers this year. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. I'll tell you what, you've been very insightful. We truly appreciate it. Also want to make sure we give a big shout out to everyone there in the chat. Kurt, Tears of Joy, Problem Child, all the great people out there. Blue Magic, of course, Through the Wire, Deep Purple, everybody that's been part of the best Lakers chat room that's out there at the Lakers Fast Break. But Sean, before we get into the honest opinion for Dustin on the Lakers, and I'm getting prepared. I'm, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, your thoughts, though, Sean, uh, on Indiana. Any last questions for Dustin before we head to the Lakers thoughts? Yeah, I, I, actually, Dustin, before before we let you go, I had one question for you. So 
Um, when the Atlanta Hawks decided to go through a, a coaching change a couple of years ago, uh, Rick Kyle, Rick Carlisle was president of the, uh, coaches, uh, association. Mm-hmm. And he was very vocal about how he thought that Lloyd Pierce was mistreated, mm-hmm. uh, during his time with the Hawks. Uh, have you noticed that, uh, Lloyd has taken on a, a bigger role with the Pacers as far as. Mm-hmm. Uh, being Rick's lead assistant, and how do you think that that uh, relationship has uh, uh, kind of welded into the team as well? Yeah, no, I mean, I, they, they, yeah, he absolutely has a uh, uh, a big role with this group. Obviously, just being associate head coach, but I mean, he is he, he, I, Rick really does view him as his right hand man. Um, you know, just, just really puts him in, in every situation, situation he could put in. If, if Rick gets tossed out and that happens, uh, Lloyd takes <laughs> over. Um, so it's not, I, I think there was a time and I don't know if it ended up being this way for the year, but I think Rick led the league, led the league and coaches technicals. Um, so he's, he, he's, he's good for a couple of those, you know, per game, uh, is just getting into it with the ref and, and getting a tech from time to time. So, you know, someone's got to be able to take over the team and Lloyd's been able to do that more than a few times, but I, I, you can just just um you know there's also at least once he missed a game for uh it was his daughter's senior night i think for i i I think she was a cheerleader um or whatever it was it was she she had a senior night and you know rick put lloyd in charge left the team for a couple days to go down there and he rick has said you know he's like i'm gonna delegate more you know i'm older i've been around this i've coached enough games um there's gonna be some life things that i'm gonna go do you know, and, and I think, you know, I think most of his family is, I think even his wife's still in Dallas. So, you know, like he's generally not around, uh, you know, his family for most of the year. And I think, you know, I think his, I, I know his daughter, I think just graduated. I think she, God, I can't remember where she went. Uh, it might've been Virginia. It might be so, so, you know, he, he frequently gave us updates as to where his daughter got accepted, uh, which was great, you know? And so I, I say that, I like to say he's looking at life events. And so that means he's going to rely on a second in command, uh, in a way that he would not have done when he was younger and less established. Um, he's saying, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to skip these things and I can, you know, Lloyd can do it. You know, Lloyd can handle a game. Yeah. He knows how to coach, uh, not just, you know, coach guys individually but he can coach a game i can put him in charge i can walk away for a couple of days and everything will still be standing when i get back um and so that's kind of his level of belief in, in lloyd is that he can put him in charge at any given point in time and trust that lloyd can not only coach the game but win the game um and so everything you know in, in every way that he can be put as a true second in command um that is as clo- close to equal as you can be uh he's put lloyd pierce in that situation and you know we've we've had you know interviewed with lloyd uh you know basically any time that rick goes through something i think he went to someone's funeral um silas paul silas's funeral and so he was gone for a couple of days for that you know uh, didn't miss any games but was gone for a practice you know so lloyd took over media responsibilities that day and it's it's stuff like that that he you know if, if there's something some reason why he has to leave the team for a day or two he puts lloyd in charge and he's good with that and and i think that the team really trusts lloyd they believe in him at that level you know when they were having end of season meetings you know lloyd was one of the guys that was there i know they made a point of rick made a point of saying you know they made a point of saying Tyrese is a Halliburton is a, is a franchise partner now. And, you know, he basically said, you know, we had this conversation that it was me, Lloyd, Tyrese, Chad Buchanan, and Kevin Pritchard. And these are the guys that make the decisions. And Tyrese Halliburton is one of those guys, but so is Lloyd Pierce. Um, so that's how, how much ownership he views Lloyd as having uh, in the Pacers as is. So we ask you, 
with this final part of the show before you get a chance to go ahead and make sure that you tell everybody about all the great work that you're up to. All right, you can lay it on us. An honest opinion. Uh, we've had several already. In fact, uh, you'll be the 14th team that we've already discussed as far as uh, for that. We're actually finishing off our Eastern Conference tomorrow with the Miami Heat. So we've heard 14 pretty similar opinions on the Lakers so for the most part. But we definitely want to hear what you think because it means mm-hmm. as, as just as much as theirs. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers heading into the season? I mean, they're certainly a contender. I mean, it's certainly getting all the way to the conference finals last year. Uh, you know, they're right there as much as for everybody else. I mean, obviously the West is wide open and it's going to be a really, it, it, it was, it was fun last year. It has a chance to be, I think, even more fun this year. Obviously, you know, some of the other sort of powers in the league have re-upped, you know, with Phoenix going out and getting Brad Beal, um, you know, and the uh, moves that bring Chris Paul to the Warriors, you know, you know, Memphis is still going to be there, especially once they get Morant back. If, if they keep all of that together, if, if, if that doesn't go off the rails, Sacramento is still going to be really good. And, and obviously Denver, I think we underrated Denver as just, you know, as yes. the basketball intelligentsia or whatever you want to say. I mean, that, that was a better team, I think, that it got credit for until the season was over. And then I think you look back and like that was dominant. You know, that that was a special NBA season that the Nuggets had. Um, and so, you know, like you finishing, you know, getting to the finals against those guys and getting beat. There was no shame in that whatsoever. I mean, but I think uh, I mean, I've just been really impressed with what they've done um, and, and how they have gotten it back together. I mean. I remember, you know, obviously I remember seeing the Pacers beat them at the beginning of that West Coast road trip. And that was a long road trip for the Pacers. They had played the Clippers the night before uh, and got beat up by uh, Vika uh, Zubak and he just crushed him. And that was just, I think he had 30. And yeah, 30. that's still a sore spot for us here as far as Laker fans and how we got uh, Magic and and Rob got rid of him. So, yes, that's a very sore spot oh, for us. I see. Understandable. Uh, I mean, he's not that good all the time. He was just that good that day. Um, but, but he's pretty solid. He, I mean, yes. we've had actually some issues at the five spot. If, if you know, mm-hmm. with Anthony Davis, I understand that he doesn't like playing the five spot as much as he sure. likes playing the four, even though he's more effective at the five spot than he mm-hmm. playing the four. But yeah, yeah, I digress. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. But no, I mean, I think it's. I remember coming back from that trip and thinking, man, the Lakers were the worst team they played on that trip. You know, and that that they had played. I think they had the Clippers, the Jazz. Uh, the Blazers, the Warriors, um, and it was like, man, like the Lakers are the worst team they played on that trip, and they end up being the best team they played on that trip, uh, or at least getting the furthest out of all of them because, you know, they just made one hung in there, you know, that entire time to just just keep contact uh, with being a playoff level team, e- even though they were on the other side of it, and then go out and get all those guys and make a charge. I mean, they, they made a lot of smart decisions and had a sense of, of what they had to be, you know, added a little bit of shooting, added a lot of defense. Um, and I thought kept and, and, and kept going in that direction, you know, in the off season, picking up a Gabe yeah. Vincent, uh, you know, stands out picking up a Cam Reddish and that's not a huge deal, but it's something I, I you know, obviously I don't think Christian Wood is a massive deal, but I think he's helpful. Uh, you know, I, and, and I, I, you know, I, it feels like it's being made of a bigger deal than it is, but it's a, it's a deal. It's, it, it is, it is a useful other player that you could, that you could use as a big, uh, that you can score for you can, you know, can rebound and whatnot. But I think, um, no, I, 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 I am really impressed by the way that they, um, just shuffled the deck, you know, and said, okay, a lot of things have to change, but they, they, they made a lot of smart moves that weren't blow your mind moves. And, and I think that's, you know, 
it, it was almost like they showed some maturity, I guess. You know, that's a weird thing to say, obviously, for that, um, you know, front office. But it, it, to not think we need to ha- get the biggest splash or names because we're the Lakers. Everybody, you know, thinks of us as having to get this this big time addition. It's just smaller ones. You know, again, Jared Vanderbilt, I think, made a big deal for a, a big difference for that team. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell, I think, was really helpful. I mean, just a lot of small pieces made them a lot better. And I think you look at that roster now and, and it's it's got a shot. It's got as good a shot as anybody at, at being a contender in the West. Again, I think you you got to prove that you can beat Denver now. Uh, you know, you got to put them as the definitive favorite. Um, but after that, you know, and, and probably Phoenix, you, if, if you're asking me to guess right now where they finish or, or who's where, you know, I, I think you'd have to put Denver one and Phoenix two. Um, but you know, the Lakers are right in that, in, in that group, that can be three, you know, Golden State can be right there too. Sacramento can be right there too. Memphis can be right there. Um, you know, it, this, I, I think just the West is becoming a lot more fun and a lot more entertaining. It's always, it's always has been, but, um, you know, you, you just go down the line and obviously I think Oklahoma city is ready to make a leap. Minnesota, I think is ready to make a leap. I think Anthony Edwards is another guy who's having a fantastic world cup. Um, you know, you're really seeing, I, I think him make the leap into being an all NBA caliber player. Um, so there's not going to be a lot of easy nights in the West. Um, but, you know, really, I mean, parity across both leagues, both conferences is terrific right now. There's not a lot of, there's, you know, maybe five or six teams that you can look at and say, okay, you're probably getting them. But the other 24 or so, it's it's a rough night. You know, like it, it, it is not going to be easy for you. And so they, they, I have every reason to believe that they can be right there. And, you know, they can certainly be a conference semis finals team at least. They could be a conference finals team again if they get catch the right breaks. They got a shot again to go back to what we were talking about at the beginning. I mean, Austin Reeves playing in this event is a big deal and having the kind of contributions he's had is a big deal. And he's going to go in with the real confidence of believing he's one of the best shooters uh, in the league and one of the best wings in the league. You know, like he like he's a legit, he's a legit all-star, you know, he's an all-star caliber player. Um, you know, he's going to be in that conversation. So that, that, you know, it takes you, I think, to a different level and, and, you know, they're going to be right. They're going to be right there when it comes down to it in the West. Magic man. Any last thoughts for Dustin? Any last questions? Uh, don't hold back my friend. No, I, th- I think that's good. I think we covered just pretty much the basics that we want to get through Dustin. We'll find out more as we get into the season, right? But their, their depth is really strong. So I imagine a, a big part of this year is also seeing who do you surround Hallie and Benedict and Miles around um, that you build with your core going forward. Because once you have your, your core in place, then you can kind of make decisions about where you want to go, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You're going to get a sense this year, you know, of, of who's going to be there. I mean, and obviously, you know, you look at one guy that I think a year ago they thought Chris Duarte was going to be a big piece of this. And, you know, yeah. they, they moved him to open up roster space and get a couple picks. Um, so if, if things go poorly, you know, you, you can, you know, somebody that we think of right now as being a really key piece to this can go in another direction, uh, you know, or, you know, th- there might be some guys that have their minutes cut this year and, you know, that are coming up, uh, you know, that are going to be free agents next year that all of a sudden uh, decide to go in another direction. I think O'Shea Brissett was another guy that they really liked that I think was pretty useful for them. Didn't have any room. Um, you know, they had a couple of veterans, James Johnson and George Hill, that they just kind of let walk. And I think they liked the idea of having some of those, somebody like that and just weren't able to bring him back because they had, you know, made some additions that they liked. I mean, some, things can certainly shift around. I mean, I think you can pencil in and say, obviously, Halliburton is going to be the core piece of this. Uh, you know, they're going to have Turner at least for this year and another year with his two-year deal. And you got Mather in there. Other than that, it's kind of up in the air. You know, you don't, you know, there's a good chance 
they let healed walk in a year um, unless he decides he's willing to come back for less. So it, and you're just shaking out to see, okay, is, is, is Neesmith going to be a guy that's got to be a part of that core? Is Nemar going to be a guy that's going to be part of that core? Does, is Toppin going to be a, a guy that's going to be a part of that core? Um, you know, who are going to be these guys that they believe in, you know, long-term and say, okay, these are the guys that cannot possibly move. Uh, you know, that I think is some of the questions they're trying to come up with the answers they're looking to, to come up with uh, this year and, and, you know, next year going forward. So funny because you mentioned James Johnson, James Johnson, I, when it comes to James Johnson, the end of his career, the last five, he may have not been actually able to play in the league for the last mm. five, six years of his career. But my God, if there's anybody you want in a fight, an yes. NBA fight, this is the man. <laughs> that may be the reason why he lasted in the league so long. It's part of it. It's part of it. No, it's it's a combination of that and personality. Uh, I mean, like, I, I didn't even realize how good he was. And then The Athletic did a poll. And it said, who's the last guy you want to see in a fight? And it was James Johnson. And I was like, oh, my God. Like a, a six degree or a black belt? Yes. Just, yeah. the very top, top. Of, of yeah, he's the real belt. thing. Yeah. You got to do a yeah. lot of kickboxing and a lot of fighting to get to be as, as good as, as Johnson. Aside from being just intimidating on the uh, – just from the look, Dustin mm. – um it's like okay uh, yeah when you see him in the ring this guy like uh bruce lee once described fighting uh kareem abdul jabbar as like an octopus that's why he <laughs> that's it was such a challenge for him and um i remember when james johnson was in toronto and dustin mm. nobody wanted to face this man i mean <laughs> nobody nobody they had to, they basically had to corral uh even top flight fighters to try and fight James Johnson. Some of them were like, no, thanks. I don't want a piece of James. So. I believe it. I believe it. That being said, for as much as intimidating as he is and the fight thing as he is, the reason he keeps getting jobs is everybody likes him. Yeah. Like so that's, the, that's that the other piece to it. And, and, and he was a fun guy to talk to just in the, in the clubhouse. I mean, he'd be there every day, just chilling, having, you know, different conversations. Tyrese Halliburton swears by him. Um, as far as just being a vet that, that he really got an appreciation for that, you know, Johnson really got, you know, and Halliburton already knew this, but really enforced it for him. Um, what it means to really invest in people and get to know people and, and try to create, you know, create as many social situations as you can. Like, I mean, he was all, he, he bugged, he was always bugging somebody to come over and drink wine with him some night, you know? And like, it, it was just, he really, uh, Halliburton, you know, he'll tell you, he really appreciated that. Rick Carlisle said, you know, I went out and got him for a reason, um, that, that he really did a good job of being a, a big personality for a team. And, and he's, you know, you really watch him in timeouts and huddles and he is in it, you know, I mean, and, and he's coming out, you know, at everybody telling them what they need to do. Like he's locked in too. put him on the floor. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are some things he could do. He could still set screens, rebounds, handle the ball better than most players, uh, his size, you know, there's some things you don't want him doing at this age. You know, you're not trying to play him a whole bunch of minutes, but he had real value uh, for that locker room. And and I would say, you know, the one thing the Pacers probably had as much fun as any team that ever went 35 and 47 that I've ever seen. You know, I mean, they just they had a ball last year and, and James was a big part of that, of, of just having a really close I believe Kurt 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 Affairs coming here. If James Johnson was in Memphis, John wouldn't look at a gun again. That's that's true. James would know, you know, keep, keep him away from stuff like that. Um, 
you know, I mean, James has gotten his own trouble. Like, you know, James, James has a history. Um, so let's not act like he's never done something he was not supposed to do. He has, or at least he's been accused of it. So he doesn't have a, 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 a flawless record if you look back on it. Yeah. Um, but he was, he, he was a big part of that locker room. Um, and he is going to continue like his, his effect is going to matter. Um, for do you think that, do you think they have enough adults in the room for such a young team? I do. Um, I, I, but partially because of that, partially, I think they really learned a lot from James Johnson and, and George Hill. Um, I, I think that that really mattered to those guys, but I think, uh, you know, a few of the young guys can really operate like older guys, you know, Halliburton, um, while he's a guy that has a lot of fun, you know, is, is just, a, is a really good locker room presence. I think he has a sense of what he's going to be. Um, you know, Daniel Tice, as you mentioned in, in the chat here is, is another one. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Um, because they, they have too many centers and they, you know, they, they had an issue last year when they brought him back from his surgery uh, where Isaiah Jackson and, and Jalen Smith, they were having a hard time getting him minutes because they wanted to make sure they got Tice out on the floor. But those guys were going three, four games without playing uh, because Turner is the center, Turner is the starter. And it was just basically like, you know, he's playing 30 minutes a game. So you're really parceling out the other 18. And they were really doing it by rotation where they would play, you know, one guy, two games in a row and then the next guy and the next guy. But you go four games without playing. You know, and so after a while, they decided to really take Tice out of that rotation. And, you know, I don't know how upset he was about it, um, but, you know, he just sort of, you know, peaced. Um, so, but he's having a great World Cup. He's having a really, really good World Cup. And you can see he could still play, you know, and, and you can see that even in the Pacers games, he could still play. So, you know, there's obviously the question of, is he going to stick around? What's his role going to be? How's he going to be? Um, but Miles Turner... Miles Turner acts like he's 10 years older than he is, you know, or, or he can't. Miles is a fascinating guy. I mean, like he really super intelligent into so many things that are not sports, you know, like spent time at fashion week this year, you know, has uh, uh, big into music. He was, he, he's, he's also a geek and it's funny because he's huge. He's this huge geek that loves Legos and star Wars. Swear to God. He had, oh, I've he, heard he has, he had a, uh, the Mandalorian. So like every year they do a star Wars night and I think they do it just for miles and he shows up decked out. Like they, they do like a, you know, walk up thing where they walk from the, the practice facility to the, to the uh, uh, through the tunnel, I guess, to Gamebridge. And he's like, he showed up this year dressed as a Mandalorian, uh, as the Mandalorian with the baby Yoda and the Mandalorian helmet and the Yoda stayed in his locker the rest of the year. This was in like January. So like the last three, four months of the season, uh, he's got he, he's got the helmet. He was at Comic-Con in San Diego and put up a video on his Instagram and on his Twitter of him. You know, he was dressed as I think it was like the Invisible Man. I don't know. But like he had a hood over his face and whatever and like all decked out. And he did a Rubik's Cube while doing that, just sitting outside, dressed up with Comic-Con gear and everything. Too fun. And he finished a Rubik's Cube. And like that's Miles Turner. Um, but. It was funny, like we saw him at camp. He did his camp for the first time because the last couple of years he wasn't sure if he was going to get traded or not. This year he finally did a kids camp, you know, in Indy. And like, so we saw Tyrese Halliburton did a, do a camp, Obi Toppin do a camp. And they're around and they're involved, but they're like, it's like they're treating the little kids like they can't, you know, like they're, you know, porcelain dolls. They don't want to mess with them. Like they're, they're, you know, playing around with them and smiling, but they don't want to be too harsh. And they certainly don't want to be critical. Like Miles treats it like he's coaching the kids. You know, like he's going to like one station. It's like, we're running this and I'm going to get on you at every single thing. So there's these 10 year olds and Miles is like, no, man, you got to do this now. And 
he's he's a serious guy intense guy fascinating personality so he's gonna be an adult you know he's he's 27 but he's gonna act like he's 33 you know so that's another one buddy healed's buddy he's all over the place but he's been around he's a vet he's you know he's not necessarily got a captain's presence but buddy don't miss anything buddy like buddy damn near got in a fight with carlisle because they made him stay home because he had the flu like he went and got hospitalized, got fluids, came back, wanted to play. And they were like, you just had the flu. You're going to get everybody sick. You cannot play. And, like, Buddy got into it with him. Um, and I don't know how bad it got, but Buddy was like, just ask Rick. It was bad. Like, I didn't want to sit out, you know. And this was when every – this was toward the end of the year. Everybody else was sitting out. You know, like, they were giving a bunch of other veterans time off. And Buddy did not want any time off. Buddy wanted to play 82. He's still mad that he didn't. And that's – you know, you know, that's the standard that's been set. Tyrese didn't play 82 last year, one of two. Didn't miss a game until he got hurt. So there is that standard that, that you know, some of those, some of it came from the older guys, but um, some of these other guys, even, you know, again, Buddy's not a guy that you would look to and say that's a captain or that's somebody that commands the locker room. But like, you know, when, when he shoots at practice, he's shooting by himself. Like he doesn't, he doesn't make anybody rebound. Like he doesn't demand the manager or uh, you know, assistant or whatever rebound, like he goes and chases his own rebounds, you know, like that's buddy. And so like that has an impact. And so like, that's the sort of stand, you know, TJ is another guy that, that has some captain, you know, the, some veteran qualities, you know, again, Tyrese's personality is a big part of it. There will be some of that. Whereas if, if they didn't have James and they didn't have George this past year, you know, they, there might've been a, a little bit too much youth and, and that some of those lessons might not have got across, but they really did, and I think some of those important players became, you know, key. Again, Bruce Brown's a guy now that's won a title. You you add that, you know, add, add somebody that's won a championship. Um, so I think there's going to be more maturity than you would expect if you just look down the list, you know, on the NBA roster site that just says the ages. I think there will be more maturity than you would expect if you just look at those numbers. I'll tell you what, it's been awesome to have you here, Dustin, and I definitely want to check in with you during the course of the season, if that's possible, especially leading into, uh, we like to do, we're going to be doing team previews, uh, game previews before Mm. the games. We always do post games. We're going to try and do more pregames as well. And we'd love to have you on for the Indiana matchups, if that's the case, if you have time. I know you'll be covering it, so maybe we'll have to tape it about something to go ahead and make sure your schedule's accommodated. But before we head on out, Please, the floor is now yours. Once again, let us know exactly where we can find you, what you're working on, anything you want to go ahead. It's cheap plug time. We love <laughs> cheap plugs right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Much appreciated. Yeah, no, obviously everything. All, you can find all my stuff at IndyStar, IndyStar.com. Uh, you know, check out there. We have a Pacers head and you can go on there. Obviously, we've been a little bit quiet lately. Uh, it's not a whole lot goes on. And, and uh, we've got this kind of quiet period before camp starts uh in october but you know starting to you know lead into a lot of that stuff hoping hoping to do a lot of good player profiles uh and that sort of thing when they get into camp you know imagine the last week of september you'll start to see us fill that up with a lot of pacers content and you can always follow me at dustin depirak on twitter and i'm certainly uh not writing about it as much but certainly will be following this world cup stuff and checking out what tyrese does uh so check me out there and you'll see some analysis and all that kind of stuff but yeah look look forward to it absolutely anytime uh you know when they when they play the lakers looking forward to talking to you guys Absolutely. It's been incredible to have you here, Dustin. Please, again, everybody out there, please support what he's doing at Dustin Doparak on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it today. Plus also, 
make sure you go ahead and check his, out his work at the Indianapolis Star today just by typing in indiestar.com. That'll get you on the road to go ahead and checking out all of his great work there indeed. But Dustin, great to have you here. We're going to close that because I know you got, sounds like you got the dog still going on, still moving around. So make sure that you're getting taken care of on that. But we truly we'll appreciate the time. Everybody in the chat room, you've been sensational. Magic Man, you're great as always. I know you're planning behind the scenes more team previews. Tomorrow from the UK, we're going to have an awesome Miami preview right there for us. And with John Tablanca, please join us for that. That's at 11 a.m. Pacific tomorrow. So please, special time on that. But once again, great to have you here, Dustin. And looking forward to having you back on with us right here at the Lakers.